Welcome, Earthlets. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox. This is the sixth episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This month, though, we're doing things a little differently as we take a look at our first non-prog 2000 AD comic, the 1977 Summer Sci-Fi Special. As well as Weekly Progs, 2000 AD will start coming out with a bunch of like annuals and specials and stuff as the years go by. Um, since this one is the first one, the comic's barely a half a year old, it's mostly featuring thrills that are currently in the comic, though no shacko. Yeah. Um, yeah. As time goes by, these publications will start featuring content for thrills that have finished their runs or are from other comics completely. So it's worth it just sort of for the show purposes to start to separate it out now. <laughs> Plus, there's some exclusive content here that's not that's worth checking out more completely. Mm. And I'll let everybody know because you can't see it really. Uh, many <laughs> of the uh, of the thrills in this, or I'd say all of the thrills in this comic, are not done by the normal creative team. And so there are some weird things that go on in these stories. Yeah, it's <laughs> super, super weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, to the special. Thrill one, Harlem Heroes. I, they're all so chrome now. So shiny. Yeah, different art team. And so the heroes are, are, are very shiny and kind of weird looking. <laughs> Um, and it's a weird, and it's a one, you know, all these are sort of one-off self-contained stories. Every, everyone, each one in this, uh, in this special, mm-hmm. in this case, the heroes are off to Seattle to fight the Seattle sluggers arrow ball team. Who are kind of like unknown. Uh, they, they rather, they closed up shop and then a mysterious benefactor sort of opened up for them. It's like mm-hmm. a robot company, but they hadn't been playing in like a huge way. Uh, yeah. Up until recently. And now they're back and they're super tough. They're hiding a secret. What could it be? <laughs> oh man, they're robots, dude. Yeah, definitely 100% robots. They were absolutely robots. You know, one flies into the ground and sort of explodes. And it's like, hey, it's a robot. It's really great. And then they just keep the like the game going. It's really classic Harlem Heroes. They're like, yeah, we're going to show everybody that human beings are definitely still better than robots. At- yeah. After the after the heroes find out that the sluggers are robots, they um, realize that they can win easily by doing standard Star Trek stuff of um, <laughs> innovating and not being predictable and things like that that the robots can't handle with their cold, hard logic. Morning. And they win the day! Hooray for Hello Heroes! They win yeah, pretty six, six to two. It's good times. Yeah, and that's basically it. Like you know, <laughs> these 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 thrills are fast. It's just like one prog's worth of thrills, essentially. Exactly. So after the heroes, we go to a story oh. or a, a text thing called "What Will We Look Like in Fifty Two Thousand A.D." It's really just so super strange. It's dumb, man. It's like, whatever. <laughs> That's, you're going to stick it to that? Yeah, I'm sticking it to this 1977 view of what we look like in 50,000 years, all right? Yeah. We look like gray aliens is what they're basically saying. We'll be tall, and we won't have jaws, and we'll have big, bald heads, and we'll all be white. Yeah, pretty much. And it's like, ah, oh, we won't like have use for... Some organs, but some organs will just get better. Like, they go into intense detail about our brains and how we're not going to look great. 
Now our arm's gonna gonna get all weird because of reasons, but everything else they don't really seem to be putting their heart and soul and effort into. Yeah, it's like whatever. These guys <laughs> in the future, whatever. Come it's, at me. Yeah. Come at me, people of the year fifty two thousand. You guys are ugly. <laughs> I'll say it. <laughs> you gray alien looking jerks. It's pretty horrible. I don't care. They're in the future, man. They got things way better than me. They got way better things to deal with than me. (laughs) You really did not like this story. It's uh, it's just dumb because it's not like they don't even like cite any like like sources or anything like that or like talk to some like biological guys. It's kind of like, ooh, well, they could do this. Things seem to be going this way. Blah blah blah. Like whatever. But you didn't get anything in that sort of like way. Yeah, nah, whatever. I don't know. I, it didn't. It felt like sci-fi in so far as like they needed to put some sci-fi on some pages. Yeah, it felt. It feels like sci-fi, like they do in. Um, it's like all the sidebars in the USA Today that needs to have like some blurb about um, about the future, sort of melded into one. Mm-hmm. Like I could see this being a, a twenty-five part thing. It just a. Uh, did you know in the year fifty-two hundred? Scientists believe humanity will not have hair. Like, <laughs> whatever. And just, you slam all those together, you get one day article. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. It's so far in the future, and it just, uh, there's this old French movie that sort of looks like the aliens that they have in this, and it's, I don't know. To me, they it's just look- super creepy and uh, useless information. Yeah, they, they just, just look like so much music. like greys, you know? Yeah. Plus, in the year uh, 50, like, that's just too far in the future. I mean, that's even further than Warhammer 40K. And in Warhammer <laughs> 40K, people still look like people. That's what I'm saying. And it's a lot more interesting. Acid, blood, and, yeah, you know, orcs. <laughs> exactly. All right, so, enough of this. Enough of right, this. All right. <laughs> thrill, thrill to Judge Dredd. Uh, pretty good. Yeah, this is a good Judge Dredd story, man. It opens with um, off-screen Judge Dredd is caught in a terrorist explosion, and um, his body gets put back together, and he's like in the hospital, and they're like, oh man, we put him all back together, he's all fine, except for this one problem with his trigger finger. Oh, his trigger finger will never be re- will never be the same again. And they basically, his boss is like, God, you should have just let him die at that point. Yeah, who cares? He's like, uh, he's like Falmouth and Shacko last week, last week you know? Um, like, I lost my gun arm, I'm half a man. That's my favorite. Yeah. That's my favorite thing. Also funny in this, I think it's the first time we see an injured Judge Dredd who's bandaged in such a way that the bandages cover the top half of his face. So, which <laughs> to maintain his Judge Dredditude, you know? But if, but yeah. but but, if, <laughs> but eventually he's out of the hospital and he goes and to prove that his trigger finger is still up to snuff he's got to go yep. through a um a shooting assessment that's run by this guy with a bunch of robots and a robot arm that apparently he has because uh, Judge Dredd shot his off or was lost in some accident involving Judge Dredd or whatever. It was definitely very hand-waved. As he came in, he's like, oh, yeah, you're that guy who had all of this shit happen to him from me shooting at him. Yeah. Cool. Well, here's to the test. <laughs> like, Yeah, so it's a pretty standard uh, shooting tons of dudes montage. <laughs> oh, I love these shots. Judge Dredd just runs through and acrobatically shoots, like, a thousand robots. 
he rides his motorcycle up a wall and shoots more dudes. He pulls out the uh, the Judge Dredd rifle and like shoots a crazy target and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's all really awesome, and he completes the course with a score of a hundred out of a hundred because he's Judge Dredd, you know. Yep, and also busts that dude's robo arm because well, that's, spoiler that's, yeah. alert. The guy wants to kill him, so he's got a, a murder robot arm, and he goes out to congratulate Judge Dredd and shake his hand, and Judge Dredd does the greatest thing ever, which is that he just rips this dude's arm right off of his body. <laughs> and he's like, you were going to kill me with that arm. And then he rips the arm off the guy's body and then points the, 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 the hand of the robot arm, of the guy's own robot arm at his face, and his robot arm shoot, the guy's own robot arm shoots him in the face, and he dies. And Judge Dredd's like, I'm going to mark this as a suicide. <laughs> <laughs> so he basically ripped off this dude's arm to do the old uh, stop hitting yourself move. But in this case, it's stop assassinating yourself with your own hand kind of oh, move. so amazing. <laughs> and it's, it's, real, it's pretty good Judge Dredd messing with people action, I got to say. <laughs> I just, it's the shot where he's, you know, deadpan face breaking this guy's arm off of him, and the guy's face is, like, very unwell. He's <laughs> like, he can't, he can't even react. He's trying to shake, shake Judge Dredd's hand, and Judge Dredd just sees him, and then instantly rips his arm off. That's pretty great. I mean, yeah, that's uh, Judge Dredd this week. It's good, it's good Dredd action, you know. Oh, Let's God. move on to Thrill 3 Invasion. One where I felt that the the line work was not super terrible. I have problems with this invasion story. Yeah. Okay, so the Brigadier, who we've met a bunch of times, who's like, you know, all uh, all posh and upper crust, and doesn't like savages, un- unorthodox methods, um, gets kidnapped by the no-good Vogs. Because he's and- a- he sucks. He's so bad. Mm-hmm. So Savage and Silk sort of get the Mad Dogs together, and they go to um, to, to rescue him. He's in an old, like, Roman fort or something like that, and Savage kind of runs yeah. through the walls. He finds, like, they the uh, the Vogs take the general out to be shot, to be uh, firing squatted. <laughs> and uh, Savage is running through the walls of the, of the uh, fort, and he, like, comes to the other side of the wall from where the Brigadier is, and there's a hole in the wall, and he's like, Oi, get down, Brigadier! <laughs> and then he, he jams his pistol through the hole in the wall and just shoots all the dudes through the hole Which, in the wall. Which, day, you know, effective still. He killed a lot of guys. Oh, yes. So he, managed, so he like, grabs the Brigadier by the lapels and runs him out, and they sort of escape. And the Brigadier is rescued, but at the cost of two mad dogs and stuff. But so here's my problem with this comic, all right, with this thrill. Yeah. Um, throughout it all, Bill Savage is using an AK-47. Oh. Um, and listen, Fox. <laughs> there's a lot of things I like about Invasion, and one of the things I love about Invasion is that this guy shotguns everybody. Why did they switch it to an AK? This doesn't stick around, does it? No, I don't think so. No, I'm pretty sure he's back to the shotgun. Um, when we get back to the prompt, it's just the different art teams and stuff, you know? Okay. So that's like... For me, that is a huge uh, mistake. Like, yeah, lost man. the character and stuff. He uses all these guns. He uses a, uh, a revolver and an AK-47, or, you know, some kind of AK-47 looking automatic rifle. I don't know what the Volgon army actually uses in the far of year 1999. <laughs> but 
<laughs> it looks like one. Um, I don't appreciate the change, you know? You know, I, I can't agree more. I don't know if he'd know how to shoot any of these weapons, given that they're not a shotgun, and that seems to be his very, very lucky totem. Exactly. So, other than that, it's a great, it's a fine story. I didn't story. even notice. A lot oh of Volgans get killed. It's fairly improbable. There's a good use, <laughs> good use of the Bill Savage and vulnerability technique where he just kind of stands there and people just decide not to shoot him while he shoots <laughs> them. Which is what I... It's all I look for in Invasion, pretty much. But, yeah. <laughs> it, they still hit the marks, to be honest. But, so. but the lack... But the, but the loss of characterization of Savage's weaponry... Um, oh, yeah. Cool. ...is a big mess. As is, like, the lack of... Um, they don't do the thing where they, like, uh, uh, zoom in on Bill Savage and you see his crazy face. Oh, yeah, no crazy face, no like, silly joke. Yeah, they've been doing that a lot. Yeah, there's, there's no puns, there's no whatever, so... Yeah, you're this, right, this is, like, super just action, man. But it's Bill Savage, so you're kind of excited. It's good enough, but this is not the best outing, is what I'm no, trying to say. no. Yeah, so I see. it's it's fine, but as a now, now you know now that we're twenty three progs in, I'm I'm a connoisseur <laughs> of invasion action, you know, <laughs> and course. so and so I'm starting to I'm starting to recognize which is the, which parts of the wheat and which parts of the chaff. You know what I mean? Yeah, and this is definitely <laughs> some some uh, wow. I was not thinking about this, and I'm really happy that we had this conversation. You gotta be critical, man. Upsetting. You gotta keep an eye out for these things. They'll try to put one over on you, dude. Man. <laughs> Don't pay attention to the gun for a, a single prog, and they changed it on me. I mean, you know, you just gotta keep an eye out, I, guess, I mean, they made Mach 1 racist, so... I mean, okay, let's let's keep moving on. <laughs> after, uh, after Thrill 3, after Invasion, we get a story called... Uh, Will they believe their eyes? And it's basically just a bunch of optical illusions. Yeah, I was going to say, do you want to talk about this a lot? Because it was just optical illusions. No, man. There's a Necker cube. There's the thing where there's like a bunch of where there's a bunch of circles, and one circle is bigger, one circle is smaller. Blah blah blah. There's a the triangle where your eye completes the line mm. of the triangle, and like across in a circle and whatever it's it's optical illusion stuff you've seen it let's move on thrill four dan dare this is a terrible dan dare story okay (laughs) so super terrible dan dare story where does this take place i don't know (laughs) i gotta think it takes place like before yeah the prog start or something like Dan Dare is like the captain of a spaceship and they're on a survey mission and they get pulled into a alternate reality that's made of antimatter. And there's huge alien frogs that are psychics on this yeah. planet and they try to take over the earth. But then Dan Dare outsmarts them by realizing <laughs> that their minds are linked. So he like punches one frog in the face and all the frogs feel the pain and that gives them time to escape and, cause an antimatter reaction and they uh, there's a star quake and they manage to escape it and then they kind of go back about their business and that's the story and oh it's it's real bad guys dude so you missed key elements i mean i really i was trying so hard to understand this thing conrad i read this three times wait what i thought that was i thought that was the gist of it. there was a bunch of, oh so like it's so like the rest of it is just like star trek level yes like like we got to explain something so let's just toss a lot of jargon at it 
and then at the end oh. sort of do another like do a simile about it you know it's like we flood the tachyon containment chamber with qualudes and eventually qualudes and then the uh, the the magnetic repulsion will inverse causing a quantum event oh like putting too much air in a balloon like you know super great they it's, they have an entire universe of antimatter, but don't worry, they don't have to worry about that because they use our version of matter, their version of antimatter, as energy to then wrap around us so that they can't attack us. There's so much, it's, it's jargon, it's sci-fi jargon to the point of just incomprehensibility. None I'm of just, it makes sense. I'm just so surprised they fit in this much. This is a lot. <laughs> Like, they put in so much crap for a very light story. They went into detail in a way that was just super uncomfortable, and I'm done. We're done talking about it. Let's talk about the cool poster. No, okay, well, okay. <laughs> yeah, this is halftime of the uh, of, of a sci-fi special, and it's a sweet-ass 2000 AD poster. Oh my god, it's the coolest thing. So, it's basically, you know, the, the main image is a giant old one-eye staring down Earl Reagan who's pulled out a Bowie knife, which is not going to be enough for a one-eye. <laughs> and then the, like, on the upper part, there's, or, and then there's sort of, like, five images of other stuff. There's, like, you know, the Mekon, a Biog. There's mm. Judge Dredd, a heavy metal kid, and Dan Dare. There's the Harlem Heroes. There's Savage sort of shotgunning a tank. Yeah. <laughs> then there's Mach 1 just in the midst of uh, hyperpuncture <laughs> it's really all just so great but mostly it's just this uh, it's just this old one eye picture that's real, that's super boss guys. it's really great it's just exactly what that entire series was about and it makes me so happy I wish I had this I wish I had this yeah we gotta find a way to like um, to print it out really big at our work or something like that. <laughs> Agreed. And put it up someplace, because it's, it's too good to lose to the mists of history. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. This is so awesome. God. <laughs> One of the rare gems in, inside the, uh, the summer special. <laughs> Speaking of which, oh. Thrill 5 Mach 1. It's like, this one... This one wasn't racist, I don't think. Uh, no, it was, um, boring. But it is, it is super imperialistic, because it's, uh, Mach 1 and a bunch of English dudes sort of working as the Air Force in some, uh, random country, I'm gonna say. Yeah. Yep. The West African Republic of Kral. That's K-R-A-A-L. <laughs> where a bunch of English dudes have sort of <clears throat> brought their own planes and are fighting an air war against the uh, air forces of some rebels or something like that. And P John Probe, Mach 1, is there to help him out. It's, um... It's, yeah. pretty it's pretty standard stuff, man. You know, a lot of sort of arguing about who's going to do what. Eventually, Probe ends up fighting a big um, dogfight with the bad guys. In a, like, much worse plane with a lot yeah. of, like, black ink everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of Michigas with um with heat seeking missiles, mm -hmm. and it's really sort of I haven't thought about this in maybe 15 years, but it once again makes me wonder if heat seeking missiles work the way they say that they do <laughs> in um in like movies and comic books and stuff. 
I'm sure they work just almost enough to give them the name heat-seeking missiles. Like, there's a point in this thing where they shoot heat-seeking missiles at Mach 1, and so he turns off the engine of his of his jet, mm-hmm. and then the missiles, like, fly back and kill, the, and kill their own dudes or, or whatever. And, like, <laughs> I just don't know if that's... I, I, just I don't, don't think, think, that, I don't think you could right. actually do that in real life, you no. know? No, 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 no. I think, it, I mean, once they lock in, I'm pretty sure they're just locked into wherever it was last yeah. year. Like, I be. think they're just really, like, they're, they're too fast for you to do a lot of, like, I'm going to outrun these missiles. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, this is what I will say, at least on the front of planes, because <laughs> there's a lot of planes in this. Um, <laughs> at least he's not running somewhere and jumping or, like, breaking some columns or killing a Japanese man on an island. Like, he's, <laughs> he's doing something that I would call, personally, spy stuff, right? Like, yeah, it's actually pretty standard spy stuff, I'd say. Like, like plane yeah. flying? Like, that's, like, sort of par for the course. It's fine. You know. I'm just glad that it's not something worse. I'm also <laughs> glad that it's, like, oh, he doesn't just... Like, obviously, he's relying on it to fly the plane and do some really crazy-ass crap, but mm-hmm. that's something we haven't really seen him do before, right? I'd agree like, with that. Threading yeah, the needle. Yeah, it's like that car-driving um, one that <laughs> yeah. was, like, not great, but at least it was, like, here's a different aspect of his powers that's not oh. just, like, oh, yeah, strike the 50 men, obviously, you know? that's That makes so much more sense now. It is exactly like that, because they call out the name of this plane as, like, the Rolls-Royce whatever the hell. <laughs> like, of course, they want to, like, kind of gush about what this plane can do. I think and, it's mo- I, I think that's mostly just to appeal to, like, you know, you, you gotta, this is a mass-market comic book, you gotta, you gotta appeal to all, all kids. Ah. And, man, in your sci-fi, in your Kids will buy a sci-fi comic book. I'd say a good twenty percent are like war nerd kids that are really into like, yeah, they read James for fun and like know the names of all the planes and stuff. So you gotta like wow them with cool plane stuff. You can't just say like here's a, here's a, here's a jet fighter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, uh, after Mach One, there's a page that's another story called uh, the Thing from Nowhere. Uh, these space explorers are bored. They find a monster. Uh, it tries to kill them. They shoot with the. They destroy it with a laser sword, and they peace out because screw that monster planet. And that's it. Oh, also, there's a uh, there's a crossword puzzle on the stage. <laughs> I'm just describing what's in the comic, buddy. <laughs> that's uh, it's good. <laughs> I mean, I, that's just, that. I love it. I love it when you don't like something that we've read or had to look at. <laughs> it gets through it. I'm trying to be. Very I'm trying to be. Po- I'm trying to just say mostly nice things. <laughs> like, I don't so, want to. I, I don't want to be super you, negative, but this story is real poor. And like, yeah, <laughs> and I was gonna say, the only problem I had, the only thing I was looking forward to. So here's this giant alien picture and a guy like shooting him with a little uh, dinky laser cat toy. Yeah. While his friend is what I assume to be being vacuumed up by his molecules into the thing's wrist. Mm-hmm. That looked awesome. 
and I wanted <laughs> I was like skimming to find where that happened. Yeah. And then when it didn't happen, I was like, okay, wait. So I started reading it, and then I read it all the way through, and it still hadn't happened, and I'm pissed. <laughs> I read that story, and it didn't happen. Yeah, this this cup the the cover of this uh of this sci-fi special is a cover of lies, bro. <laughs> That's just a fact. (laughs) I hate it so much. Yeah. After that, there's a uh, trivia section that's called "What's Your Space IQ?" Uh, Several of the uh, several of the questions no are no longer actually correct in terms of acknowledged science, which is pretty dope. (laughs) Oh my god, really? (laughs) Well, yeah. Like it opens up with how many planets are there. You know what I mean? Oh. Um. I just mostly, I love the last question, which is, apart from the moon landing, according to hundreds of, to hundreds of thousands of young Britons, has been the greatest event of the decade, and it's the release of 2000 AD. (laughs) That's a solid (laughs) trivia question. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Oh, wow. Anyhow. That was, uh, that's amazing. Oh, and now we go into the weird, the weird one. Yeah, Thrill Six Phantom Patrol. Before yeah, you so, keep going, there are so many words in the Phantom Patrol. There are a lot of words. <laughs> There's a lot going on in Phantom Patrol, man. A bunch of uh, World War II dudes fighting Nazis uh, try to uh, um, escape from them and find themselves in like ancient Greece. Mm-hmm. And they're in ancient Greece. They got like a landing craft. They got a tank. They got their buddies. And then they kind of fight a bunch of Greek dudes. <laughs> With a tank. Yeah, it's good. It works out pretty well. And then they're like, all right, I guess we're just stuck in ancient Greece. Uh, let's head out. That's a, that's a pretty good synopsis. Yeah. They, they wanted to, they found some box, which is the reason they were there amongst Egyptian treasures. But all of the Egyptian treasures looked like they were from now, which, you know, as much as that might make sense. Right. Yeah, they're aged. Yeah, so they teleported to a thing, which was pretty great. I'm, I, I, is this going to be like a regular nah. series? Oh. Nah, this was, it, it was a regular series in a comic called The Swift. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the name of the thing. This is the first of their, of the episodes of their adventures. There were 57 in total oh. in The Swift, but this, they just put the first one in here as, as filler in this, um, in this comic. Oh. Um, I mean, and I'm it, a little interested, other than the wordy, wordy nature. There's a collected version of it if you're if you're super interested in it, but All right. they aren't going to show up in 2000 AD again. So it's like whatever. Okay, <laughs> cool. I mean, it it could potentially be very interesting, but really, we're holding up um, a very important next piece. Yeah. So <laughs> the next part of this is why, even though like the stories in this aren't that super, and it's kind of missable. I, I, so I was sort of looking through this special, and I was like, we got to talk about this because of this section right here. It's which pretty is, magical. Which is a, t- it's a two-page featurette on, um, st- on the movie Star Wars. I don't know if, you, if you've heard of this movie, Fox. <laughs> uh, I, I think I saw, like, the third one. So <laughs> this is coming out, like, in the summer of 1977. So Star Wars is going to come out in maybe a month, in, like, Two or three months or so, I'd say. Um, and they put out this two-page sort of thing. And I, it's my favorite thing in the world, this, this two-page spread. It's, um, it's definitely got some pretty good, uh, pretty good 
things happen. So basically, from what from what I, I from what I sort of assume happened is uh, the folks at uh, at the at the at the publishing company for 2000 AD. They, they got sort of these standard press release production stills from 2000 AD, or from, from Star Wars, I should say. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a picture of, uh, of C-3PO, there's C-3PO with R2-D2, C-3PO and R2-D2 on the Death Star. There's a picture of the Millennium Falcon, there's some Stormtroopers, there's some Jawas. General there's sort Snack. Of a, there's, yeah, there's sort of a production, uh, or like a, uh, you know, like we're doing publicity photos, kind of things of like Han and Chewbacca hanging out. Sorry, I'm assuming if you if you're listening to this, you're familiar with the movie Star Wars. All right. <laughs> the important thing is that the people who wrote the captions and the article for this spread are not familiar with Star Wars in any way possible. <laughs> so like, it just it cracks me up just because I feel like you know here we are in 2016, you know. A month away from Rogue One or whatever, mm-hmm. and everybody, you know, everybody's got a baseline knowledge of Star Wars. Like, you know, being able to say like "May the Force be with you" or "Luke, I am your father" or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. It doesn't make you a nerd. It just makes you like part of Western culture. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's more established than Mickey Mouse in some cases. Right, and so these pictures are just so hilarious because like. So, like, there's a picture of C-3PO just kind of standing here. And the caption is, Robot 3PO, sure to be a star of the show. And then there's a picture of 3PO and R2 in the, in, and, and R2-D2 in the Death Star. And it says, 3PO, again, on one of Star Wars's fan, on one of Star Wars' fantastical futuristic sets. Like, it doesn't even talk about R2, because they don't know who R2 is. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like... There's a, the caption like we've come a long way from Apollo spacesuits designed for battle over a bunch of like just regular stormtroopers, you know. Really great, and oh, the piece de resistance. Well, okay, I was I'm, I'm, I was building up to this. Build up to it. <laughs> Sorry. So one more is just as a picture of the Millennium Falcon, and it's just like just one of the ships of the film's great spaceships, you know. There's a picture of Jawas, and it's like you think Judge Dredd has his work cut out for him. The evil mutants of 2000 AD. Uh, or, or, you know, just wait till you see these guys and their methods. <laughs> what? Their Jawas, like, they blast R2-D2 and that's it. But the the piece de resistance <laughs> is this picture in the upper right. It's Han Solo, you know, it's Harrison Ford leaning against Chewbacca, you know. Mm-hmm. It's this real, it's, you've you've seen this picture before, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet if you're familiar with Star Wars. And the caption is, Luke Skywalker takes a break with one of his friends. <laughs> Just leaning on him. But it's that it's that's not it's Luke, Luke Skywalker. Skywalker. <laughs> Love the Ford. And that's that's not that's you know, it's Han Solo. They don't know I, the characters. I, they also don't have like the I'm guessing this isn't like even the original font. This seems to be just something they kind of cobbled together with what they had. Yeah, absolutely. I mean the biggest, the most telling part is that the center of the thing where it says Star Wars, it's mm. like a, it's like a monster movie font. It's not, you know, <laughs> it's not like the approved like Star Wars IP like font and and word setup. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like my, I have a, you know, <laughs> if you knew someone, I have a friend who works at uh, Lucasfilm, and like he would be pissed if he saw this spread. Oh my god, I give him an aneurysm. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I just love it because it's these, from, it's just these like dudes who are excited about Star Wars and want these kids, or maybe they, they, they only want the kids to be excited about Star Wars that are reading this comic. Yeah. And they've done the best they could with the limited information they have to try to give some information and try to be excited about it and stuff. And they failed spectacularly. <laughs> but I like, it's, it's just a, such a relic of like this time before there was Star Wars that, you know, is not a time I was alive in. And so it's funny to just see, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's like, it's very quaint. You know? Yeah. It's a, it's just a picture of a time before. So it's very fun. I think it's, it's, it's really funny. Like I just love, I just look at it and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so good, you know. <laughs> it's just, it's exactly adorable. Yeah. Um, there's just like, I don't know, the captions kind of give it a little charm. That's nice. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially just because of the of the weight Star Wars is going to have on 2000 AD. I mean, for the next like five years, all the spaceships are going to be star destroyers, pretty much. Really? <laughs> In 2000. I mean, you know, let's. Let's keep an eye out for it. But yeah, I, I'd say so. <laughs> no doubt. But hey, let's move on to uh, Thrill 7 Flesh. I was glad to see it back. And yes, this also, is, eh. yeah, this is clearly a, uh, a prequel story to Flesh. Yeah, it's all right. And like, oh man, it's not, it's not that great. No, I, I kind of wished they had just left this one out. Yeah. <laughs> Like the arts, the arts not that you know. It's a, it's a different artist. His art's not that great. He doesn't it's love dinosaurs the way snake. the previous guys have. <laughs> yeah. But so, another time travel meat company, I guess. Yep. Advanced Protein Incorporated. Which I mean, God, these guys—they're <laughs> really um, creative. Yeah. So they sent someone back in time to uh, take down or to assassinate Earl Reagan while he's on the um, while he's herding a bunch of uh, dinos, and that's what basically sort of happens. Yeah, it doesn't work out. Um, the big big seller in this one is a Tyrannosaurus gets his head exploded. That's pretty dope. Yeah, there's a giant snake. But yeah, it's pretty stupid, and that's over quickly. Yeah, and eventually they find out the the saboteur guy and sort of send him back to the future with a funny note pinned to his chest. But that's yeah. basically it. <laughs> you know? Yep. Dinosaur got its head exploded. And it was, uh, you know, just to give some credence to, like, where it is in the story and whatever. It was Jim who did it. Um, oh, yeah. Who saved Earl's life and kind of like, uh, hey, they're reinforcing their super good buddyhood. Yeah, but for sure. Yeah, this is actually an example of what a lot of these... Uh, specials will be, which is sort of prequels and side stories to finished stories like Flesh, where we won't see the next one until like next year or like until like you know November 1970 78 in our, in right. our broad timeline, you know. Blah. But yeah, so that's that. Uh, last thing of the special is just a uh, feature on space stamps, which you know I didn't read that all that stuff. I'm sorry, Conrad. Hey kids, I'm just check not these. About stamps. <laughs> Let me summarize it. Uh, hey kids, check out these dank ass space stamps. Oh yeah, get these stamps up in you, player. That's basically what it says. Oh my god, <laughs> they should know better. No and child that's... wants stamps. Kids love stamps in the seventies, man. 
I don't know. We see I, all these. We see all these ads. We're, we're going to see all these ads in 2000 AD about kids getting into stamp collecting. That's all they had, you know. <laughs> really, I mean, that's starting to seem what it's all about. They didn't even have video games or anything like that. They just had comic books and stamp collecting. Well, but they had they had action figures too. That that was like the start of it. Was around the time. Oh, I think it was actually because of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It's oh. all. It's just stamps. That's all they got. Don't let anybody tell you the past is better better than the present, Fox. It's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I because... would never would it. God, it's like bug collecting. Gross. Because, like, even when I was a kid in the far-off land of the 80s, there were one or two kids that had stamp collections. And now, oh, man, if there's a kid with a stamp collection, that kid is super into stamps and should not be messed with. Probably not that stable, you <laughs> mean. All right. And, yeah, one last thing. Special Extra Thrill. Oh, Dan yeah. Dare Poster Prog. <laughs> um, so this is really just, like, a light history. Yeah, so like, so these poster progs are basically it's like a it's like an eight page magazine, mm-hmm. and you can remove like, and I think I don't know if it's stapled or I forget I don't know what it actually looks like if, when you buy one, but the the idea is that you can fold it out and it becomes and like once and it becomes one big sheet of paper, mm-hmm. and then one she, one side is a big ass poster, and then another side is sort of the interior of a magazine basically. Oh, okay. And so the in so the in so like one side of this one is all about uh, the history of Dan Dare, uh. like in the fifties and all that stuff, and then sort of some of the new stuff from from today, and then the other side is this page from is basically a poster size uh, re- reproduction of this one splash page from Dan Dare where he goes to the one where he goes to England mm-hmm. and he finds that future England is like a floating colony. That's allowed to mostly go back to nature. So you see, like, Big Ben in the middle of a big forest, and there's some aliens and stuff sort of hanging out in the foreground of the picture, you know? Yeah. What what I liked the most about this, I feel like, was just the progression of art that they did. Like, they showed you what, <clears throat> like, the comic originally looked like, which was a lot of very intense shading and mm-hmm. very early sort of feel to it. But even in the writing, they were saying, like, as you can see, as... Like each artist sort of touched this and updated it. There's still sort of a fairly similar structure to his face and all of this other interesting stuff yeah. about Dan Dare. Um, I've talked a lot of shit about him, but you know, pretty consistent. And uh, I mean, clearly, his newest stuff is what I like the most. A lot of weird, gross gack monsters. So, <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know, yeah. Dander is being retooled as we speak in our uh, 2080 timeline. So yeah. we'll see what he's like when he comes back, you know? Exactly. Okay, so I think that's it, Fox. Uh, yeah. What's your uh, what's your top thrill and bottom thrill for this for this um, special event? Well, um, okay. Let's let's talk top thrills. All right. So <clears throat> Harlem Heroes was all right. Um, standard fare so not going to talk about it i really mm-hmm. liked the just the storyline in general was nice the characterization was nice the weird art was very strange <laughs> judge dread was so fucking awesome judge dread was really good um judge dread felt like hey if we gave this guy a couple of pages like we do with everyone else um and he used his same super invincibility powers that everyone <laughs> seems to have 
this is what it would look like. And it was really great. He tore a guy's arm off after being told that he wouldn't be able to shoot so well again, mm-hmm. basically. And, uh, yeah, he did all the things, and he's pretty much amazing. <laughs> um, I friggin' loved it. Uh, I would have said Invasion, but I'm not going to talk about that right now. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think of anything else. The Phantom Patrol was okay. Not worth really talking about. Flesh was okay. So it's going to have to go to Dread. I really liked it. Nice. Yeah, it's mine too, actually. I thought, man, he rips that guy's arm off. That's the greatest thing <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Um, I'm all for Judge Dread as my top thrill this week. It was yeah. real. It was just real good. Just back to basics, like Judge Dredd shooting a bunch of robots, ripping a dude's arm off. They're sort of back. I I love the idea that they sort of zoom in on this one little piece of his finger, and they're like, "Oh, he's ruined," you know, like just all of it's so ridiculous and over the top and Judge Dreddy that um, it was great. It's just a great. It's, it's a great time out, you know. Yeah, <laughs> especially between all of this, like really whatever comic. Yep. I mean, so let's talk bottom thrill. I was going to say Dan Dare for, like, all sorts of reasons, but not because it was bad, necessarily. Mm-hmm. But then you got me thinking about Invasion, and I did not <laughs> realize how many things were not immediately there that I just assumed were there. Mm-hmm. That's really yeah. upsetting to me, and I'm, I'm, I am I'm, want to punish him a little bit, but Invasion has just been so consistently good, man. <laughs> It's hard for me to be mad at them getting a couple of artists. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm just gonna go with it. Invasion was terrible. That's <laughs> all, the, feel all the nitpicking things. It. They they thought they could skate by, but then someone brought some stuff to. But then I brought some stuff to your attention, and suddenly they go from like, "Oh, this is fine," to like, "No, fail." Yeah, you're better than this invasion. Really okay. <laughs> so how about yours? I mean, I just didn't. I, I can't believe that I didn't pay attention. Mm. I, I toyed with Invasion being my bottom just because there's so much, there's such basic stuff about Invasion that I just want, and they don't. Ha- and if you don't have it, I'm like, ugh, you've just failed. Like it's so, I'm just disappointed. I'm not even mad, you know. But honestly, my my bottom three was was Dan Dare. Dan Dare was just <laughs> so bad. Oh, the plot was incomprehensible. The art was really bad, which is something yep. that has been the saving grace for Dan Dare up until this point. Where it's and they like, have uh, people to play with. Like, the story was, like, so much up until this point, it's, the, it's been like, oh, the story for Dan Dare is really bad, but the art's really excellent, so it keeps me coming back. With this, the art was bad, everything else was bad. I was just like, oh, this is just, this is just terrible. I don't like this at all. Um, and I'm just, yeah, get, get out of here, you know? <laughs> Man, what a really, like, like eh, weak... Yeah, it's rough. It's rough, dude. Like, I gotta say, if I'm, you know, as I always do when I imagine myself as, like, an eight-year-old kid in 1970s England, uh, and I pick this thing, you know, and maybe I'm a judge, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a 2000 AD early adopter, you know. Yeah. I've been putting down my, uh, my, my eight or nine pence, you know, it, the price just went up to nine pence. I mean, come I, on. I see this sci-fi special. It's three times that. It's 30 pence. I'm like, for, for just twice as many pages. So it's not even three times as many pages. Wow. Um, I open it up, and, like, it's just so bad. It's like, 
all the people. It's all the characters I like, and they aren't drawn as well. And there's all these articles that make me feel very, very sad about myself and the future (laughs) of science. And uh, like, as a as a little kid, I'm just like, I I just I've lost a piece of my soul today. You know, I'm just a little bit more of a grown up. I'm more of a grown up now than I was when I picked up this comic book designed to entertain me and delight my soul. Instead, instead of taking me to far off vistas, it's just shown me the realities of publishing in a, the modern world. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and a little piece of Conrad died that day. Well, I mean, nah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm personifying myself as an eight-year-old of kid. Of course. Like, that, that, that part of me is all, all long dead, burnt out by the 1990s eras of, of, of American comics. But, oh, God. But, um, There's just no more room for love when you... But I just, I just imagine myself as, a, you know, as young, um, you know, Connor, you know, Connor O'Grady or whatever. Like... <laughs> Oh, I like stories about Judge Dredd. He's my favorite superhero. You know? I love polar bears. They're <laughs> so cool. And uh, and I and I pick this up and like, oh, and now I'm disillusioned with reality. You know, whatever. Oh, <laughs> God, they do have very nice grammar. Anyhow. Let's move. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com. That's a two zero 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 zero. Two is three zeros, I think. Whatever. Uh, tune in next week where, Sa- where Bill Savage will fight missiles on the Scotch-English border. We oh, learn the truth about Gruber. Mach 1 fights a definitely not Goldfinger bad guy named King Carrot. We, we meet Shacko's family, oh. Judge Dredd investigates the Reef murders, and some no-good kid breaks into the 2080 offices and learns a lesson about thrill power, and I'm going to break out that little kid English voice like the whole time we talked about it. Oh, that's amazing. It's going to be a whole thing. Anyhow, all that's just in Prog 24. That sounds so much better than what we just had to read. (laughs) Exactly. Until next time, I'm Connor at Eastbox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendug for a three. We've come a long way from Apollo. Spacesuits designed for battle. If you think Judge Dredd had his work cut out for him against the evil mids in 2000 AD Weekly, just wait to see these boys and their methods talking about a Jawa. They have no fucking idea what this fucking movie's about. For thousands of light years away.